Although we can't go back in time, we can reflect on our past experiences and learn from them. But wouldn't it be so amazing if we could? If you could, what would you tell yourself? This is Letters to My Younger Self. I'm Liz Gardner. Join me as we talk with some of my favorite people about their life stories and how they've learned and how we can become a little better by hearing their incredible stories. Dear Ashley, I know you like to be prepared and have a plan. You're very goal-oriented and determined to accomplish what you put your mind to. So you may be shocked to learn that nothing in your life will go according to your perfectly laid out plan. In fact, the experiences that you will cherish the most are going to be through things you could never have planned, but only the things that God puts in your life. You will cry and get frustrated at times as you watch your perfectly, carefully planned out life fall apart. But I promise you will be a lot more happy with the life God has in store for you than anything you have laid out on paper or on a dream board. Trust in God. The difficult times are going to make you strong, brave, and beautiful. The strength you gain will help lift others all around you. You're going to have a big, beautiful... Today on the podcast, I have Ashley Martin. She's amazing. She's a mother of three, soon to be a mother of four. Our babies are going to be about a month apart. She's a writer and she's also bald. She has a condition called alopecia. And today we are talking about what that experience was like for her. She lost all of her hair when she was 20 years old. And she shares about her experience and how much it's helped her and actually made her a happier person. You know when you meet somebody and you feel like you've always known them and you instantly connect and just know that you want to be good friends with them? That is what Ashley has been like for me. I met her and instantly felt like we were meant to be good friends. And she just lives a few blocks away from me here in American Fork. So I'm so grateful that I was able to meet her and that she's willing to share her incredible story. Thanks so much for doing this interview today. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. And I feel like we've just recently met, but I feel like you're just one of those people that you can connect with and just feel you know them right away. And so I love that about you. Absolutely. Thanks. I'm actually really excited to have this opportunity to be interviewed and it's been fun getting to know you. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up and what you were like as a kid. I was nothing like I am now as a kid. I was very shy and I was a very good girl. Well, I'm still a very good girl. <laughs> I'll always be a very good girl. I didn't have a lot of confidence to figure out who I was personally. So even growing up from a kid all the way through high school, I was constantly looking at who other people were and just mimicking them, thinking, well, that worked for them, so let's do that. And so I would dress like someone else and act like someone else, but I never really knew who I was until all my life experiences. I was always just quiet. I, I cheered in high school, but I got the nickname, the quiet cheerleader. <laughs> I preferred hanging out with friends than doing homework, but I, I managed to be an, an average student. So I was just an average kid 
who tried to follow the rules and and be what I thought I was supposed to be. And where did you grow up? I was born in Canada, but I moved to the U.S. when I was eight years old, and I grew up in West Jordan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's interesting you talking about trying to adopt other people's personalities or characteristics and things like that, because I feel like knowing you now, you seem so comfortable in your skin and so comfortable to be exactly who you are. But it's interesting how some of those traits that seem so natural are sometimes learned and take time Mm -hmm. for people to be able to develop. Exactly. And it took a lot of life experience to get me to that point, which I'm very grateful now because now I know exactly who I am and it's not who anybody else is. So it's, it's nice having my own identity, which this has been a journey of figuring out my identity and, and it's been nice to find out that it's okay to be different but everybody just has to figure that out for themselves. (laughs) And it's one of those things that you hear and it's easy to say, but there's a difference between actually internalizing that and and saying, it's okay for me to Mm -hmm. do this my own way because I think there really is so much pressure to conform to society and parent the way that other people parent and Mm -hmm. look and act and do things the way that everybody else is doing, even though... We know that if everyone did it the same way, we'd live in a pretty boring world. But I think sometimes we we really do feel that peer pressure to conform. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're told what's beautiful and then you try and implement what's beautiful. And I've always been very fair-skinned, but growing up in high school, a tan was beautiful. So I was always putting on that fake lotion that turned you orange or <laughs> burning myself in a tanning bed and... You, I was just always trying to be something that I wasn't. I wish I could like go back and just take what I know and see what a confident person I would have been at going through school versus looking back and knowing how unconfident that I was. But I wouldn't change anything because it has made me who I am. Yeah. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about when you first noticed that you were losing your hair and also you need to explain what your hair looked like before you started losing it. I had very beautiful hair actually. I was actually getting ready to audition for one of the fructose shampoo hair commercials and um, before it fell out I was also getting ready to um, audition to be a character at Disneyland and so I had all these things in place and, um, but it was also a very stressful time in my life. And as I was brushing my hair one morning, um, I looked down at the, I couldn't feel the bristles in the brush anymore. And I looked down and it was so caked in my hair that the bristles weren't even coming through anymore. Wow. Like there was that much hair in it and I was shocked and just put the brush down. Um, but like my hair was super long. It was down to the middle of my back and it was an auburn, like brownish red color. It was really pretty. And I knew it was pretty, so maybe I needed some humbling and that's why it fell out. But um, when, just before it started falling out, I 
would get a very unique symptom that is related to alopecia and that I would feel shocks. Um, similar to if you rub your feet across the carpet or jump on a trampoline and then touch metal and it shocks you. Mm-hmm. I had these prickly shocks that were that would erupt all over my body. Weird. And the first time it ever happened, I was sitting in church on the pew and all of a sudden these zappy shark shocks exploded from my chest. I was like, what was that? And then it continued for three weeks. It was brought on by like temperature change or a fast movement I did. Um, I was in a kickboxing class and I couldn't finish it because anytime I punched a bag, the shocks exploded through me. The shocks didn't go away until my hair was gone. Wow. But the doctors were always like, oh, it's not related. And I was like, I know it was. And how old were you at the time? I was 20. I had just turned 20. And I had no hair loss experience before that at all. I had very thick, long hair. And two weeks later, I was bald. Wow. From the moment I first noticed my hair falling out to being completely bald over my entire body, leg hair, arm hair, eyelashes, the peach fuzz on your cheeks, in your nose, in your ears, two weeks it was gone. Wow. Which is also rare for alopecia. They usually say it takes a year to several years to lose that much hair. So I kind of had a unique case, but I think it's also easier if you're going to lose your hair to just lose it really fast. So I feel like I was blessed in that way because the um, half hair, half no hair, like what I'm dealing with right now, is a lot more of a pain. Yeah, to have spots and different things. Yes, I'd rather just have it gone. I wasn't super familiar. I hadn't really heard the word alopecia before. So I was looking up some videos and somebody was explaining about how there's different kinds of alopecia and how some people can have just a partial hair loss. Mm -hmm. And then other people... There's four different kinds of alopecia. Just because you have one doesn't mean it won't like evolve or change back into another one. And... The one that I have right now is alopecia areata. That's where it's patchy. So because I'm pregnant, my body, the hormones in my body tries to grow hair, but my body's still attacking the follicle. It doesn't recognize the follicle as something that's supposed to be there. So my immune system is just attacking my hair follicle and making it fall out. It's usually a painless process. I've only met two other people who said they felt the zapping shocks and that usually is only felt when they're about to lose a massive amount. So since I lost my entire body of hair in two weeks, that's why I felt it. But um, when I first lost my hair, it was alopecia universalis. Okay. And that is the total hair loss where you have nothing on your body whatsoever. You don't have any fuzz at all. And there's also alopecia totalis, where if you have nothing on your head, but you still have body hair. So that one I've never had because my body hair has never really come back. I haven't had to shave my legs in like 14 years. (laughs) So So there there are are some benefits. (laughs) There are perks. But you can't tell somebody who has alopecia, oh, you're going to save so much money on hair product. Because you're not. Like 
now I'm going to go buy a wig and hats and scarves and shaving cream and <laughs> razor and I'm not going to save money by not buying hair products. Yeah. <laughs> so I started out with total hair loss. My hair tries to come back when I'm pregnant. So right now I have areata. <laughs> and I have patchy hair on my head <laughs> that I have to shave off and I'm just waiting for it to fall back out again. <laughs> That's interesting. That's probably harder for you when you have little patches coming back in because it's not like you get fuzz all over your hair mm -hmm. in clumps. Is that? Yeah. It grows in kind of looking like continents on the world. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, here's this hair spot. Here's this hair spot. And you've got your ocean going through of baldness and... And it, they don't stay in the same place either. So as my body attacks the hair, it falls out of one place and then starts growing in in another. And just like, oh, just go away. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that's really challenging. Before you were diagnosed with alopecia, were you familiar with the disease? And were there things that you didn't know or other symptoms besides the shocking that you had that come with alopecia? Yes, I actually was familiar with alopecia, and that's actually just by chance, because I, in high school, there were two twin boys who had no hair, and I was acquaintance, I, I was, they were an acquaintance of mine. We didn't hang out a whole lot, but I knew them well enough to know that uh, one of them described it just as he was allergic to his hair, and they were born with it, and so... I did know what it was. And then just before my hair fell out, I also saw an interview on the show Tyra Banks where she was interviewing a girl who had, was bald. And I, I think it was only a month before my hair fell out wow. that I saw that interview. So it's kind of like God put these uh, steps into place that I would have an understanding of what it is. And so I did see a total of three people <laughs> with it before my hair loss fell out, uh, or before my, my hair fell out. And there are other symptoms. Feeling shocks and stuff is a very rare one that hardly anybody ever feels. But your fingernails are also made from the same makeup as what your hair is made of. Oh, and I didn't know that. So, but your fingernails will get little divots in them and they'll have like thin spots uh they're not usually as healthy as regular fingernails interesting and so they'll be affected by it they won't be smooth and, and flat they'll be a little crinkled and divity but usually you're the only one who notices your fingernails yeah so it's not too much of a big deal um but if you have hair loss in like your nose and your ears um one of the embarrassing side effects of it is on a cold winter day outside everyone's nose starts to run right uh -huh. and so they'll feel it and they'll be sniffing and stuff but if you don't have any hairs you don't feel it and so my nose would just like drip in front of someone and I only notice it because oh it just went down my face <laughs> I'm like, oh sorry I have no nose hairs didn't know that was coming or if you go swimming the water will get into your ears easier because you don't have the little fuzzy hairs to kind of prevent things from going Interesting. in things will get into your eyes because you don't have eyelashes 
eyelashes to catch it. So you realize really what the function of hair is uh-huh. when you don't have it. And like you'll sunburn the top of your head if you don't put sunscreen or a hat on. And then you have a fever till it goes away. So there's symptoms that come with it and there's like side effects of not having hair. So sunburns cause fever? If you sunburn the top of your head, your body has a hard time releasing heat because your skin has like swelled up and burned up there that it can cause you to have a fever depending on how bad the sunburn is. Oh, it's only happened like two times before I learned my lesson of cover your head. Yeah. Oh, crazy. And so how common is alopecia? Um, actually, it's a lot more common than people think. About 21 million women in the U.S. suffer from some form of alopecia. Oh, interesting. Um, a lot of people will hide any hair issue that they have, um, whether it's just thinning with age and they're just trying to hide the hair loss, or if they do have alopecia, I do know a lady who she won't even tell her kids that she wears a wig. And I'm sure they know, but um, it kind of just breaks my heart. But um, a lot of people don't realize that they do know people with alopecia because they're just hiding it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I can't imagine having to wake your kids up in the morning and be like all ready with your wig on and everything too, you know? This that would mom be a hard sleeps thing. with a wig on and I don't know oh, if she, she sleeps still does, but oh, I would wow. never want to do that. And... When I first got married, I did sleep with a wig on because I wanted to be beautiful on my honeymoon. And and I just remember thinking that that was so uncomfortable. And my husband had never made me feel like I ever had to wear a wig to be beautiful. But that was... Uh, it's not comfortable to sleep in a wig. Yeah. But women will go to crazy lengths to hide their flaws or insecurities and I I remember one of my friend's mom saying when she was on her honeymoon she would like wake up before her husband and hurry and put makeup on and then like lay back in bed and be like I look this is what I woke up in the morning (laughs) like she's like that's that went away pretty quickly but there's kind of like you want to protect this like oh you think I am so beautiful and perfect like I don't want you to not see that (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So if you could go back in time and talk to yourself when you were 20 and first having this hair loss and give yourself advice, what do you think you'd say? So I would have to say that if I went and saw myself again at 20 years old, well, the first thing that I would do is probably just cry and hold myself because that would be at the very beginning of everything happening. And me from the future would know what I was about to go through. Now I would tell myself that this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. And whether I would believe it or not, I'm not sure. But I would let myself know that this is what will like build your confidence. This is what's going to force you to stand apart. This is how you're going to find out who you are as an individual. And you're going to be able to help people with this. And um, big false eyelashes and microbladed eyebrows will be your friend. <laughs> and you look fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, the first thing I would do is just hold myself because it is hard. And I actually did 
think about this the other day because my 19-year-old niece just found out she has alopecia and is losing everything. And as much as I'm happy for her of where she can go with it, I know she's at the very beginning. And there was a seven-year process of a very hard change that I had to go through. But it's the best thing that I ever did have to go through. Isn't it interesting with any kind of loss, like people can relate to this. I don't think you have to lose your hair to really empathize with the fact that, you know, we all experience loss in a certain way. And yes. when it initially hits, there's so much shock and like, I'll never be able to be the same without this or without this yes. person, whatever it is that you're losing but how much those experiences shape us and turn us mm -hmm. into who we are. And although it's hard, we wouldn't trade the growth, the growth, because then we look and say, well, I would still be that same. Not I don't want to say you were an immature 20 year old, but oh, I was sure an immature was. 20 year old. <laughs> <laughs> so with your, with your niece, what did you tell her when she first started having? Well, at first I asked her how she was feeling and she said that having seen me go through what I did and where I am now actually has helped her a lot already because she knows that it's just hair and that she can still dress up and be beautiful and have confidence because she's seen that in me like her whole life. She's 19 years old. I lost my hair 14 years ago. So she hasn't known much difference or anything different of, as far as me having hair. So she did tell me that that was something that really helped her and that she was just going to take it one day at a time. I'm not sure if she's just telling me all the positive <laughs> so that I can feel good about where she's at right now. But I know that there's times where she cries and she and she's struggles with this change happening um but it's something that she's already prepared to grow with and I think she really made me realize that putting myself out there and showing people what I have can help them from the start yeah even though she's just at the beginning of the journey it doesn't have to be the same hard one that I went through because I didn't have anybody with alopecia around me. Yeah. Well, that's a blessing for her that she has you. I hope so. <laughs> and it's your sister-in-law, so it's not like a genetic. Actually, that's my it's my sister's daughter. Oh, your sister's daughter. Yeah. Okay. Your mm -hmm. okay, your niece. Okay. Yeah. So, my sister's daughter and I figured that it would run in the family even though I'm the only one that we know of with it. I was probably just the first one, but I thought I would at least skip a generation and stay within my family. I was not expecting my niece to end up developing it. So it was really quite a shock. But hers is already different. Um, hers is has not all completely fallen out yet, and it's already trying to grow back. So it'll be interesting to see because every single case is different. There's not a single one that is exactly the same or the cause of it. Alopecia is usually caused by some sort of a, a stress on your body and this is your body's way of reacting to it. 
Um, so a lot of people who have alopecia will have other autoimmune or health issues that they're also dealing with. And alopecia just um, came out because of, because of other things happening. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is the hardest thing about alopecia? So one of the hardest things about having alopecia is you really find out more about people around you. Um, some people were so uncomfortable with it that they kind of backed off and disappeared. Um, and other people were extremely supportive and stuck around. So it was hard to learn that I would lose friends with it. Um, there was also a time where I, I, I learned that people can be really cruel and that they would use it to make me feel bad about myself. Sending me messages or my husband at the time, my boyfriend, messages about his girlfriend being balder than a bald eagle and just cruel things like that that were really shocking to find out that people would actually say things like that. Wow. So it was kind of eye-opening to know that not everybody's nice <laughs> and that some people just can't handle differences. And so those people would not be close in your life. Um, another thing about having alopecia that was really hard was I started wearing wigs. And I got so many wigs. I think at one point I had over 30 wigs. And I would wear a different wig every day. I wasn't going out bald yet. And every time you put on a different wig, a different style, it would, some were curly, some were short, some were platinum blonde, some were red and brown. You act different depending on what hairstyle you had. So if I had identity problems before that, they were about to get worse. You're like, now I have multiple personalities based on what wig I wear. That's kind of exactly what happened. I really lost completely who I truly was. And it got to the point that I recognized it as a problem and I put all my wigs away and I just started wearing scarves. So I'm, I'm curious, like, what, can you give us examples? Like, were there certain hairstyles that made you oh, yes. feel like more, so like the edgier hairstyles, would you act? I had a hot pink short wig, and I would act a lot more spunky with that one. I had a very long waist length red head curly one, which made me feel very beautiful and mermaid-like, and so I would act very... <laughs> Um, you are your Disney princess. <laughs> yes, I would act very classy with that one on. And then I had like my, my standard brown one, but I had like black ones with bangs cut straight across. And and so all these different person. I would also dress for the wigs as well. Interesting. And so my style was <laughs> all over the place. I would wear like the cutoff finger gloves with one wig and then the next day a button-up shirt looking all classy and I'm like who in the world am I and so I, I had to put them all away um and I started wearing scarves and I became known as the scarf girl for like the next three years and I learned how to tie them in bows on top of my head and make them look like twisted braids that came down to 
my waist. And Which, the first time I met you, you were wearing your twisted braid <laughs> scarf, and I was like, oh my gosh, look how beautiful that scarf is. Yes, and I find that so funny that you met me wearing a scarf now, because I never wear scarves now. The only reason I was wearing a scarf was because I just put together a video tutorial for my niece to know how to make scarves. And it's like, oh yeah, I forgot how fun scarves were. And it's cold outside. So I had a scarf on my head, but I hadn't worn scarves on my head for years. <laughs> I prefer, Now I prefer just to go bald, but it's cold outside. So, and I have hair trying to grow on my head. So if I can't maintain it, then I have to cover it up. So, well, you don't have to cover up your patchy hair. I just choose to and so it sounds like you kind of went through stages of being more first wearing a wig. I want to try to fit in as much as possible. And then it went to the scarf stage. And now yeah. you're more in the, let's just show my bald Yes, head. I remember one Sunday morning telling my husband, I don't want to wear anything on my head today. And he goes, so don't. I was like, oh, I don't have to? And I went to church with nothing on my head. And I remember being, it was a winter day, of course. <laughs> I remember being cold, but terrified and completely it was like a freeing experience at the same time to not have anything on my head um but uh, another struggle that I had to overcome was I wouldn't be able to do things that I was aspiring to do so acting and modeling kind of became I would have still been able to pursue those things but I didn't know how to without my hair because I was going to audition for hair commercials. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't do those things. So it kind of took me off guard of the path that I had originally chosen for myself. So there was no more acting and modeling. I tried to still do some of it, but I always had a wig on. I did go to an audition once bald because they said they were looking for something unique. And then they told me, well, we're not looking for something that unique. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it was definitely, um, it took me off the course I had planned for myself, for sure. And was definitely a process of wearing wigs and then scarves and hats and then going bald and realizing that... Like I don't I did start to identify myself as the bald girl. Um, one of the things that I learned early on was until I accepted it, nobody else was going to. And when my hair first fell out, I noticed my sisters and my parents would kind of look at me out at me through the corner of their eyes because they didn't want me to think that they were staring at me. They don't want to make me uncomfortable. And I knew that if they were uncomfortable or they thought I was, then we weren't going to get past this. Yeah. And so I would just tell them, as I saw them peeking at me through the corner, well, you can come look at my head. You can come and touch it if you want. <laughs> and I had one sister come up and touch it. She's like, it's so smooth. I'm like, yeah, and I haven't shaved my legs forever. <laughs> You're like, you want to feel my legs too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I did tell one of my sisters before, my leg hair fell out for, well, because you shave it off and it wasn't growing anymore, it never grew back. So before I lost the hair on my head, I did tell one of my sisters, feel my legs, I haven't shaved in two weeks. And they're all, what? <laughs> Little did we know, every hair on my body was about to fall out. They became more comfortable with it because 
even as they brought friends over, I would say, hey, I'm Ashley, I'm the bald sister. Like, I actually introduced myself as the bald sister or the bald girl or the bald friend because that was helping them, like, I acknowledged it first so they didn't have to. Yeah. And that didn't mean that I was right off the bat okay with it, but it was not, like, an elephant in the room preventing a casual conversation. Yeah. And now when I have a conversation with somebody, I forget I have no hair. And so they'll be thinking in the back of their mind, like, when is she going to tell me that she has, like, cancer or something? And I never do because I forgot that I have no hair and I never <laughs> explained it. <laughs> so now I forget about it. But back then it was, it had to be something that was brought up right away because it was kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is interesting kind of breaking the ice and being the first one to kind of say something. And I feel like we can all kind of use that in different aspects of our life. We have something big that's going on. Sometimes it's better just to bring it up and let Mm -hmm. not have people trying to figure out, Oh, is it okay to talk about? Is it not? Yeah. And probably depending on where, what stage you're in, you know, you might, there might be one day that you can laugh about it and other days that you would cry about it. And so, (laughs) and I'm sure people didn't really know exactly where you were at. And so I think by you kind of breaking the ice and bringing it up, it makes them feel like, okay. And then it opened it up that if they had questions, they felt more confident to ask me, but if they didn't have a question, we just moved on. Yeah. And it wasn't a big deal. I think that made it easier on my family and the close friends that stuck around uh, because you really do have to accept these things about yourself before anybody else will. And it's a constant accepting process. It's not, oh, I accepted it today, so that means I'm good for life. It's (laughs) too bad it's not that way, right? You're like, I had one good strong moment. Yeah, years later, I have a video just saying like, I don't want to be bald today. And, and I cried and that was like seven years into having no hair. So you, you have your good days and bad days. You, I'm sure have bad hair days. So I'm going to have a bad bald day. (laughs) Goes hand in hand. Yes. I have plenty of bad hair days or maybe just lazy (laughs) hair days. I don't feel like doing it. One of the hairstyles I do miss the most is the messy bun that, women do when they're just running around the house cleaning uh-huh I love that messy fun and a wig will not do it <laughs> so and so if I so everyone anyone who's listening to the podcast running around with a messy bun appreciate yeah. that bun you have for Ashley style right now you had mentioned that people sometimes think you think you have cancer and I remember you telling me that you were in the grocery store one day and <laughs> some guy comes up to you almost in tears <laughs> thinking you have cancer and so is that continually a problem or it was in the beginning because I didn't know how to dress to look healthy and usually it happened if I just put on a bandana and ran outside which is the typical look of a cancer patient um, and I didn't have my eyebrows on. I, I looked like I was a cancer patient. And so I never judged anybody for thinking that I was because a lot of people don't know what alopecia is. So if you're running around with no hair, they think it's from medical treatment. And it did happen a lot in the beginning. 
And I would just say, oh, thank you, because I didn't know how to respond. <laughs> and one person even asked me, so how far along are you in your treatments? And I'm all, uh, three weeks, because I had no idea what to say. <laughs> they caught me off guard. I wasn't trying to lie to them, but I was like, what do I say? And he was like, and you're here like at the store? Like, I was working at the store. <laughs> and I just kind of like left him like, yeah, bye. <laughs> but now, um, if I can explain it to people I do I'll be like oh I don't have cancer and they're like oh you don't or now because I know how to dress myself to look like a healthy bald woman I get comments of you look too healthy to have cancer I'm like well I am <laughs> you're like I am like, I'm actually not suffering with that right now or I'll have people uh, people would pay for my food when I went out to eat because I thought so we would get the check and be like, oh, someone paid for your family's food. I'm like, again? <laughs> <laughs> and so then when that happens, I didn't know how to take it at first, but now I take it as an opportunity to like pay it forward. That person didn't have to know why they were giving me a service of paying for my meal or giving me a free hat. So I've had free hats before. Or why they were encouraging me to keep fighting. They, yeah, they were encouraging me to keep fighting cancer, but maybe I needed the encouragement to keep fighting through this stage of alopecia. <laughs> and so I just took them as somebody who was trying to give good encouragement and take it for what it was, that that was a person who wasn't going to be cruel. Yes. Well, and I love that you're able to look at it in such a positive light instead of being like annoyed and saying everywhere you go, I don't have cancer, leave me alone, that you're able to say, (laughs) you're able to say this person is a caring soul that wants to Mm -hmm. be able to help somebody who looks like they might need some extra love and that you can just accept the love and filter out the other parts of that. Yeah. And even just with being a mom, have times where you're in the grocery store with your kid, it's so chaotic and crazy. And people say stuff like, wow, you have your hands full. And, and sometimes you're like, yes, I don't really have it all together, but I don't think that people are trying to point down. out the fact that you don't seem like you can handle what you have in front of you, but they're just trying to connect or have Mm -hmm. some sort of thing. And so giving people the benefit of the doubt that they have good intentions, I think is a good rule of thumb. One of the things that makes other people so uncomfortable is when their kids point at me and be like, mom, she has no hair. Or is that a boy or a girl? (laughs) Or that person looks like a pirate because I've got like my scarf on and the parents are like, oh my gosh, be quiet. It's totally fine. You're okay. Like, do I look like a pretty pirate? (laughs) That's okay. Or I'll be like, actually, I'm a girl and I have no hair. Is that weird? And they're all like, yeah. Well, yeah, it's weird, huh? (laughs) Like, just kind of play along with the kids. And the parents are like, oh, phew. This person wasn't, like, completely traumatized by my child. Because kids are blunt. They are very blunt. And my children have said very rude things to people at the grocery stores that I'm like, (gasps) Oh, yes. Now with my kids, they are doing the same thing. And I'm just like, oh, please let it be somebody who will not take that personally. (laughs) So, but yes, kids can traumatize their parents pointing at me. And you just have to be okay with it. Yeah, I love that. 
one of the hard things about kids and one of the great things about kids they they can they're so blunt and so when they say that they mm-hmm. love you and that they're happy and you're great then <laughs> they have no filter yeah. but also when things aren't going so well they also don't have a filter and the other and day my son so told me good. I needed to go to jail because I wasn't being nice oh <laughs> yes I I did get the very first I hate you from my daughter the other week oh. and, but since then she has told me mom I don't hate you. I'm sorry I said that. <laughs> so kids are really fun in all situations. And she let me do her hair this morning. And she said, Mom, you can do my hair because I know you don't have any. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> and her hair will be long forever so that I can always braid it. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. So tell us, how many kids do you have? I have three kids and about to have my fourth in the next five weeks or so. So about to have four kids. So you were saying when you were pregnant that you get patches. Do people treat you differently having a bald hair and being pregnant? Because I feel like most people wouldn't think that you had cancer yeah. being pregnant, right? <laughs> Actually, they, they still do. <laughs> They'll still think that I have cancer. But I try to dress up when I go out. Not for anybody else. Mostly just for myself now. I try and dress up when I go out so that I don't look like a bum (laughs) and then people don't think that I'm so sick more people will think that I have shaved my head those who do ask are relieved when I don't have cancer since I am obviously pregnant but I do get a lot of stares still like you know what's going on in their head like why is she bald and pregnant and what's her life story but we are not going to approach her and ask yeah so but people will still think that I have cancer even though I'm pregnant even though they wouldn't give you a chemotherapy treatment if you were pregnant (laughs) but if you're not educated you don't know that yeah as far as educated in cancer treatments yeah yeah just curious If somebody did want to ask you a question and they don't know you, are you okay having just random people come up to you and ask or does that get overwhelming because you have it happening over and over again? I'm very okay with it, but I know a lot of people with alopecia who are not okay with it. So I can't just say, oh yeah, ask us whatever questions you want because you never know. But me personally, if somebody wanted to come up and ask me a question, I am happy to answer it for them. I've also learned that if I smile more, people are more likely to approach me and ask me questions versus if I'm having a day where I am just not smiling. Yeah. Um, Smiling also helps me come across healthier and it, I feel like it hides an aspect of being bald because I have a smile on my face. Yeah. So losing my hair has also made me happier (laughs) because I'm smiling a whole lot more. (laughs) You are a very happy, positive person. And you have some also exciting news with your book. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your book and what's going on with that? I, I do have a book that has just come out. It's a young adult fantasy And this is the first book in a five-book series. It's my Amy Hobbs series. Amy spelled A-M-I and Hobbs spelled H-O-B-B-S. This first book is Amy Hobbs to the Sky. And it's about a girl who just wants to belong. 
and she finds out that going through a custody exchange and going to live with her dad, that she actually belongs to a world she never knew existed and she has abilities she never knew she had. As she's trying to, as she's promised that she will belong in this world, something goes wrong with her imprinting or something goes very right and she becomes what they consider like the forbidden print. She's like an abomination and she's sentenced to death for it. So here she is in this world she doesn't know on the run for her life, Mm -hmm. just wanting to belong somewhere and then learning that she never will in a way where she can just quietly blend in. (laughs) So I feel like a lot of that kind of came from me. Like I can't just blend in. Yeah. I'll always stand out. But you can belong, but it's going to be in a way that you never expected to. Yeah. So each book is a year in her life, and it takes five years for her to come to her full power. Uh Uh-huh. And she's just fighting for people who she finds who didn't have a voice and trying to control herself and figure out how to work her abilities that she has no idea how to control and to take down those who are controlling people in a negative way. Wow, I love that. I'm so excited to read your book. So your first book is published and you just got the audio recorded for it? The audio just got released to Amazon two days ago. Oh, exciting. So it's on Amazon, iTunes, and Audible. Okay. And you can get a paperback version, an ebook version, or an Audible version. Well, that's awesome. Well, I think that's so beautiful that you've been able to use your story, put it into a fantasy, entertaining story, but that you're able to use some of the themes from your life to be able to create this character. And Yes. I never thought that I would write a book, actually. I didn't go to school for it, so it actually took a lot longer to figure it out. The, the book came at actually initially from a dream I had. Uh-huh. I just wrote down the dream and I kept developing the story and I probably rewrote this story eight times before I was like, oh, now it's, now it's good. Yeah. <laughs> because you do have to take real life experiences and there has to be a why to everything and character development has been really fun, but I never planned to write. Yeah. It just kind of came to me and every time I would pray to ask, what do I do? Like, what do I need to do? I always just felt this really strong prompting, just write. So I think I was supposed to write. And I'm not sure what a young adult fantasy adventure series will do for somebody, but maybe it'll bring some positivity to them. That's awesome. Well, I'm proud of you for for doing that and for following that that dream or that prompting to be able to keep writing and and then recently you decided to start a blog which was something that you said that you weren't intending on doing but because of your niece you decided that I started writing it just before she lost her hair actually okay I never people had told me that I should do a blog for alopecia and I never wanted to and I didn't think I would be a good spokesperson for alopecia or a good example because my experience with it, I learned not to care 
about it. And so I was like, I don't want to teach. I can't talk to people about alopecia because I don't care that I have alopecia. And I would be told, yeah, but that's why you should, because you don't let it bother you. And I was like, yeah, but I really don't care. So I don't care that I have alopecia. And so maybe I won't care that they have alopecia. Now I have learned that that's different. I don't care that I have it, but I do care that somebody else does. And as I started writing a blog, year, like just started it this year, I was like, okay, that wasn't so bad. And as I wrote four of them for how to be a comp, 20 tips to become a confident woman, a confident bald woman, or my first experience with alopecia, how to buy a wig, 10 ways to tie your headscarf. When my niece lost her hair, I asked her, well, what do you need now? Like, what are you looking for? And she said, well, I don't know how to put on eyelashes. I don't know how to do my eyebrows. And so those were the next blogs that I made was like, well, how to put on eyebrows with your makeup, how to put on eyelashes with glue, eyelashes with the, the magnetic eyelash. And, and so I've noticed that I actually do enjoy blogging for it for other people. I like knowing that it's going to help somebody. So that yeah. makes it meaningful. The fact that I don't care that I have alopecia has been fun because I've been able to include so many fun pictures of me just not caring that I'm bald and like my got my kids hands all over my bald head and posting pictures like see it's okay for your family to know that you have no hair yeah like your kids are still gonna love you and in fact um in my engagement pictures when I was engaged the back picture was my husband kissing the top of my bald head. Oh, that's sweet. So it's, it's been fun to encourage other people to accept it into their lives. And now I'm glad I started the blog, but I wasn't ready to do it before. <laughs> I feel like what you said really stood out to me of saying that it wasn't really until you were able to help people that you kind of saw the meaning behind what yeah. you're going through. And I feel like anytime I've had a trial or something hard in my life, yeah. it, until I've been able to really connect with somebody else who has either a similar experience or I was able to use that pain or heartache or whatever to be able to then connect or help, I feel like that's when it kind of comes full circle and that there's meaning behind the suffering to yes. be able to say, there's a reason that I, that I had to go through this because it taught me all of these things and I would have never been able to connect with this friend or this person in the same way had I not experienced yeah this exactly. this trial or this hard thing in my life and so um so anyways I I love that that you know being able to kind of see how all of these things that you've learned how to do and maybe things even just like learning how to put eyelashes that might not seem like <laughs> like a big deal, but like somebody who's like, oh, my eyelashes are gone. What do yeah. I do? And being able to have somebody else to share how to do that. I feel like as we're able to share in our suffering or our trials and things like that, it helps us to be able to mm-hmm. be okay with it because you see, look, she's been through it and she... She survived, and she not only survived, but she's thriving, and she's a beautiful, amazing, confident woman who is (laughs) 
you know, happens chick- to have no hair. <laughs> who happens to have no hair. And we've learned that you don't have to have hair in order to be beautiful. Yeah. I like to um, show it from a perspective of just like a lifestyle. So it's not that just that I'm teaching somebody how to do things and giving them tips, but they could also, if they came across my Instagram, they could see like the, the lifestyle is just me, typical mom with my, my family and that it all works out. Yeah. That it doesn't have to affect you. So the blog is simply your lifestyle. And um, my Instagram is just simply Ashley Martin. So those are just kind of coincided. And you get to see a lot of my, my bald head or patchy head or <laughs> whatever I post that day. <laughs> And I always leave like a story of like, don't know if I'm shaving my head today, so here are my pricklies, and <laughs> and then you can also see what I eat for dinner that <laughs> night. <laughs> That's awesome. So, what would you say this disease has taught you, and how have you been changed by having alopecia? I would have to say, I'm I'm very God driven. And so I, I feel like he has a lot to do with everything in my life. And since I was such a big planner and had everything laid out as far as goals and the steps to meet those goals and the micro steps to meet those goals, and then to see that he took like where I wanted my end goal and saw where I wanted to be, and then was like, okay, now I'm going to take you on a different path to get there. And so I feel like developing alopecia and going through that process was God sent so that I could be on a whole nother level by the time I reached the goal I originally wanted. So yeah, I could have done like my steps of, all right, accomplish this next step, accomplish this next step. But I don't think I would have grown to be the person that I am today if that's how it had happened because there's like nothing to overcome yeah. and so instead with God giving me alopecia I've been able to become a completely different person who even I admire sometimes <laughs> and been able to help other people so instead of just reaching my goal by myself it's as if I've been able to bring other people along and help them to reach it as well yeah so I love that. I like it that the trial was given to me, that the hair loss came because it made me find out who I truly am, dig deep for the confidence within me, and then also help other people do that as well. So that means you were rising together instead of alone. Yeah. And I think that's a really big purpose in all of God's plans. So. I agree. The you know, doing this life by ourselves is not really the way it was intended to be, (laughs) but that we need other people and they need us and we can Mm -hmm. all help each other to be, to be strong together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Had we just like been alone, you know, live on an island, have, (laughs) you know. Yes. I think that he looks at our plans that we make for him, for ourselves and then says, (laughs) 
that's funny. <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> but I like where you're going with it. We'll get there eventually. We'll get there eventually. So I think my plan was like this three-year plan. Instead, I was introduced to this 14-year plan. <laughs> and there's definitely been the ups and downs along the way, but I would not change it. I love that. Well, I feel like you're such a positive influence and um, you're experience I feel like is just really amazing and I admire you for your your confidence and being able to take this experience and be able to make it into a positive thing not only for you and your family but for others as well so thank you so much I hope that it can be a positive experience for others as well that's my hope well I have one last question for you yes and that's the question I ask all of my people that I interview, I'm like, what do I call those people? (laughs) All of my people. And that's if you could go back in time and give yourself advice at any stage of life, where would you go and what would you say? Oh, and I have thought about that so many times. What would you do if you could go back in time? I wouldn't change anything. But I would definitely tell myself that you can do whatever you put your mind to. The journey is just never going to look like the way you planned it to look. But when you look back on it, you're never going to change a thing. You can cry, you're going to laugh, and you're going to grow more than you ever knew you could grow. So I would just make sure that I knew to be brave and to just keep growing. Buckle up. It's quite the journey. Yes, buckle up. Put on your helmet. (laughs) (laughs) Your helmet, protective gear, all of the things, right? Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. And I just really loved being able to chat with you. It was quite the wonderful experience. I loved it. This is a very fun experience. Thank you. This is Liz Gardner. Thank you for listening to Letters to My Younger Self. I really appreciate all your support. If this episode helped you, please share it with a friend. Feel free to reach out if you have any recommendations for topics or people that you would like to hear in the next upcoming episodes. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great week.